1: Well, if you say so. Your host, Ian Garlic.
0: Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here, and today's guest is an expert in prospecting sales and using LinkedIn. He's doing some really, really cool stuff with LinkedIn. Um, really using the platform to its foremost and I think LinkedIn is the way lots of people need to be going looking at and uh, we'll talk about a little about LinkedIn today but first today's show is brought to you by Authentic Web if you're looking to become the authority the best way to do it is online video uh, contact us on Authentic Web we'll help you create your story understand who your customer is and how to deliver the perfect videos at the right time all right, my guest today, Joey Gilkey. Joey, thanks for being on the show.
1: What is up, my man? Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, uh, well, what is up is LinkedIn and sales. I, I think it's the place a lot of people need to be looking. I, even though we don't do it as a service, I think I'm seeing you doing some awesome stuff. I think the way you're doing it is really, really cool. But let's talk a little bit about your background. How did you get into sales real quick and how did you get into LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, man. So I, I have had a career predominantly dominated by sales. Um, I actually was in full-time ministry, um, early on in my career. And so I was doing some college ministry stuff, ended up transitioning out of that seasonal life and into, went into IT recruiting and running business development for an IT recruiting firm. Uh, that then led me down a couple different sales paths. And I actually fell in love with digital marketing a couple years into that. And so I kind of decided to combine the two. So I ended up taking a director of business development role for a HubSpot agency, which is an inbound marketing agency, digital agency. Um, ended up growing that team. Um, really grow, I grew the revenue pretty substantially just by creating a process. I think that's where I noticed I had a knack for creating processes around sales, um, bringing the right types of salespeople, um, and then having them surrounded uh, by the right processes, the right systems, and then uh, ended up leaving that business and starting my own agency. The agency did pretty well, Uh, it didn't scale super well. I was doing growth marketing with a lot of different social platforms. And uh, through that process, met a bunch of other agency owners, realized their biggest pain point was my greatest strength. And naturally, my greatest weakness was their strength. So uh, I ended up partnering with some agency owners, uh, marketing agency owners, and realized that uh, they had a hard time selling. They had a hard time creating a process. They had a hard time uh, keeping that pipeline full. And so I said, you know what, that's what I'm good at. Um, I'm bad at a lot of things, but I'll, I'll triple down on what I'm good at. And so that's kind of how tribe prospecting started, uh, which is kind of the, the main business that I run today. Um, where we work specifically with high ticket businesses to create scalable sales processes.
0: Awesome. And uh, yeah, you've got a great guide. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but how, you know, why is a process so important in sales? I mean, it, it, you know, it's funny you talk about that. I've worked for large sales organizations, and it, they really didn't stress process. You know, I, I would often ask, yep. hey, what's your process? Why Why do you mm-hmm. feel it's so important?
1: Yeah, I think that the, the buzzword nowadays, especially with Silicon Valley and all that, is scale. We want to scale, right? And uh, though that word gets super annoying sometimes, I think there is some, there's some validity behind it, and there is a reason why buzzwords are buzzwords. Um, a lot of issues in business can be solved with more revenue. And more revenue can only be generated through more sales. And honestly, it's hard to make really tough business decisions, big business decisions, whether it's hiring, um, whether it's creating a new product or or a new uh, service. It's hard to do that without predictability. And so, the reason I love process when it comes to sales is that it creates predictability. I know that if I follow a process, uh, it is a formula. It is Yes, it is qualitative, but it's also very quantitative too. So it is it's it is the numbers, but it's also about the quality. And so you can always improve and get your numbers down in terms of how many outreaches, how many touch points, when to touch them, those types of things. Um, and you can always increase your conversion rates and all those things. But at the end of the day, it's still a numbers game. If I make zero calls, I will make zero sales. <laughs> and so if I send zero in mails or LinkedIn messages or emails, I'm going to make zero sales. So anyways, the whole process... Idea is is about creating predictability and scalability.
0: You know, and with that predictability and scalability, you and I have talked before that you know, I mean, your LinkedIn process is awesome, and I'm, we'll get to that in a little bit. But do you? I mean, I see this a lot where people push back and they don't think they they try and use every digital method without having any type of sales method. Do you think that's a mm. uh, a Do you think you can be predictable with just digital methods?
1: Yes, I I do. Um, And and you can help clarify a little bit. So when you say digital method, you mean like social platforms, email, those types of things? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, social platforms and just emailing and Mm. not not making
0: phone calls, not hopping on the phone, not doing anything else except for some sort of digital process.
1: Yeah, certain industries, for sure. My industry, absolutely not. Um, so, I'm going after high ticket, long sales cycles, uh, a lot of touch points, a lot of follow-up calls. Yes, you can you can generate interest and you can create pipeline uh, fullness, I guess for lack of better terms, through digital processes, but you're not going to close a sale. Uh, there are very few times in my career where I've had someone who, at the the moment that I finally talked to them in in person, like yeah, here's a forty two thousand dollar check. Uh, that has happened, and I was very very excited about that. But that there's nothing predictable about that. That was more of just they ended up hearing me on a podcast, read a guide that I put out, followed me on LinkedIn. They just they're following me for a while before they ever got on the phone with me. But no, I, I don't I don't I have a hard time believing that that you can create uh, a solid business around just digital processes. Um, for high ticket. Now, if you're selling a SaaS product, obviously you can work someone down a funnel through advertising and content and good call to action. But if you're selling a $42,000 service and up like we do, it's, it's a little challenging, virtually impossible.
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard to get someone to part with $42,000 virtually. <laughs> uh, <I wish. laughs> be Awesome for my business. Yeah, it would be awesome. Right. Um, but you know, I see this a lot. Because, you know, you have digital agencies and they think that the social media that they do and while it's important and I think it's, it's a crucial part, um, it's going to do everything for them. And I think yeah. that I see that's where a lot of people fail and prevent scale. Like you said, prevent scale or any yes. type of growth. Um, so at what point, though, should you be developing a sales process and at what point should you be hiring a salesperson?
1: That's a great question. I think that with the right, let me backtrack. What is your end goal? Where do you want to be? Do you want to just create a lifestyle business? Do you want to create a big business? Uh, do you want to remove yourself from the business? I think those are all questions that when answered helps give a little bit more clarity to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew tried prospecting in the first 10 months from zero to a million. And I did that by myself um, through the processes that I built but there comes a point in my career where i i as the business owner have to turn into more of a ceo type and i can no longer keep being the person who sells i love doing it i really do it's it's my greatest strength if i didn't double down on it i still do it because i enjoy it but i i can't do it if i want to build the business that i want to build and and create the life that i want to create for my family and you know my grandchildren one day and those types of things creating legacy um I can't do that if I'm in the business entirely. So I think that it comes down to your goal. Where do you want to be at the end? Um, what type of business do you want to create? And, and what are you good at? What do you enjoy? I think that's another big component. Uh, business needs to be fun, especially for the entrepreneur. It's a lonely, hard world to be in. Um, and, and if you're not doing the things that you enjoy, you're going to burn out. Um, and not only you are going to suffer from that, but the family around you, your employees that are under you. And so I think that Again, start with the end goal in mind. Um, if you want to create a scalable business, you've got to remove yourself from the sales process. Um, maybe not entirely, but for the most part, I think that uh, that's probably the best advice I could give. I wish there was a, a better formula, like at this revenue mark, it's a tipping point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the tipping point is different for every person. If you realize I'm spending way too much time in my business and not on my business, that's probably the time. And obviously keeping margins in mind and those types of things. But sometimes you need to invest. And sometimes that means that you need to cut into your margins a good bit uh, to hire that salesperson.
0: Yeah. and Well, do you think – let's say I'm not good at sales. Let's say I'm not, Mm -hmm. quote, unquote, a salesperson. Should I be hiring a salesperson right away or should I get good at sales?
1: Yeah. So that is – that's a great question. The answer is you should hire – a salesperson or partner with someone who is sales minded because, at the end of the day, and this is why another one of my business we haven't talked much about it, but it's Sales Pipeline Accelerator. Um, my partner, Jason Swank. And I kind of saw a, a, an issue in the market, which was, especially for digital agencies, because um, that's kind of the niche that we spend a lot of our time in, is they're not sales minded people. They're creatives, they're high level, they're visionaries. Uh, and they're not so much process driven. They're not, uh, sales minded people, um, which is why what you talked about, a lot of them put time into social and staying behind the keyboard Mm -hmm. because they're just not naturally good when they get on the phone, which is totally okay. Um, and so the, the, the area that we saw was a lot of these people said, okay, I'm not good at sales. I need to hire sales. And so they're like, well, budget's not that great because I've not been selling, Uh, so I'm going to go hire a commission only person or an entry level salesperson. And the issue with that, you might find a diamond in the rough that just takes the ball and runs with it. The issue with that is if you don't know how to sell and you're hiring an entry level person, who's going to teach them, who's going to train them. Uh, if you don't have a sales minded person in the the building with them, who's going to end up helping that entry level person, the only person you could afford, Uh, actually pick the ball up and run to the end zone with it. So we create a business where we help agencies specifically uh, recruit sales talent and then not just stopping at the recruiting process and taking a big check, but also doing a six-month-plus training retainer essentially with that salesperson to make sure that not only do you get the right person on the bus, but you also train that person and make sure they're set up for success.
0: And I think that's that's awesome, and it's critical because – I hear it from people so many times that they hire someone and they kind of expect them just to, especially salespeople, they expect them just to go sell and be able to go sell. And I've worked in world-class sales organizations and still the salespeople need to be trained. Even if they made tons of money before, even if they were great, they need to be trained on your processes, your systems, your messaging, and, yeah. and and that's critical. How long do you feel like it takes to train a good salesperson?
1: Yeah, I think if it's an entry-level person, it's six months minimum. Um, and that's where a lot of businesses, they don't have the budget or the patience to let someone figure it out for the for the next six months. And so they typically bring someone on, spend a bunch of money onboarding them, getting them equipment, getting them software set up, uh, spending their own time, keeping them accountable and training them. And they lose a bunch of money and they fire them after 90 days because it doesn't work out. Um, I think you need to give them more time. And and so that's a tough place to be in because it's, it's risky as a business owner to say, well, he's not performed in 90 days. I need to give him another 90 days. But I really do think an entry-level salesperson needs a good six months of hands-on training. Now, if they're in sales already um, and they're used to a process, just not your process, I think that that 90-day window is absolutely reasonable. I think that you can have an expectation in those 90 days from the pickup, the process that you have, learn the product a little bit, learn the service a little bit um, and try to understand the pain points. Um, I do, I'm do. i a big believer in ideal customer profiles. Like I think that Every good sales process needs to have that as the foundation, which is, I have an ideal customer in mind that we love working with, uh, we have the greatest margins on, we do the best work for. Knowing that end person in mind, go find those people and build a process around how do I find and convert those people. So that's, that would be my two cents there. Entry level six months, established person who just needs to pick up your process needs probably 90 days. Yeah, But it's not overnight.
0: Yeah, and I think you made a good point there, too, on the foundation of the sales process being your ideal customer. And I think because I encounter so many businesses, and part of what we do in our storyboard blueprint strategy session is go through the ideal customer, but very rarely Mm. is that sketched out. And they're like, well, it's anyone that needs this. I'm like, that's not your ideal customer, and that's not (laughs) talking to a single person, is it?
1: Anybody with a budget. <laughs> Anyone with a budget. Anybody right? with a budget. That's my favorite. Yeah, if they've got money, we, we're good. I'm like, okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so do you – you've got this tryprospecting.com gu- slash guide. You've got a guide out there. You can go to prospecting.com slash guide. Is that part of what you do in the guide?
1: Yes. So what we do with the guide is – it is for that business owner or that executive in a business who they built their business on word of mouth. They've built it on marketing. Um, you know, they've, they've maybe generated some interest, but zero predictability. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of made it through word of mouth uh, to where they are today. The process in the guide is not the ultimate guide. It, it's, there are far more sophisticated processes around sales But it is an awesome way to get the ball rolling and start learning how is it that I can create predictability around my outreach, which creates predictability around my lead generation. It is a numbers game, right? At the end of the day, and I do have a a portion there that talks about the value of a lead. and, And we talk a lot about the formula. It's a pretty simple one. What is the annual client value, the ACV? If you do a $2,000 retainer for 12 months, your annual client value average is $24,000. And then based on that number, we need to know what is your close rate. The average person's close rate is about 15%. Some people are really good at sales and it's much higher. You need to to know, okay, where I want to be from an end goal standpoint, revenue standpoint, I need to back down into the numbers in terms of how much outreach I need to do. And so we talk a lot about that in the guide as well as How much outreach is enough? And I think that, again, you've got to start with the end goal. If I want to make a million dollars, average client's $50,000, I need to essentially sell 20 of my product or service this year in order to hit that million mark. And if I'm going to do that, and I know I have a 20% close rate, well, then 20 times five, I need to get in front of 100 highly qualified leads to get a million dollars this year. How do I do that? And so that's kind of what the guide's about, how to create that predictability.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny. You know, you said a, a lot that I want to unpack, but um, one of the big things you said is the close rate is 15 to 20%. And I think mm-hmm. this is an important thing for people to realize because um, ref- I hear from people all the time when I ask them what their close rate is. Because if we do marketing, I'm like, well, if I get you a lead, and they're like 75%, 80%. And, <laughs> it, and I think that – it. We get a false positive if you've built your business on referrals because, you you know, people are – there's a transfer of trust there. And so you're going to close 85 percent of referrals. And I think that's an important thing because most people don't want to work through that 15 percent close rate. But have you ever seen anyone with an 80 percent close
1: rate non-referral-based? Myself. (laughs) Um No. And the reason I can say that is not because I'm just this amazing closer. I think I'm an amazing qualifier. Um, I think I do a great job with qualifying. And again, it starts with your ideal customer profile. I know exactly who I need to go after. I know that my target market has a certain revenue mark, uh, typically has a certain type of org chart, Mm. um, offers a certain level of product. If you go to my website and you go through my contact bot, essentially contact.tryprospecting.com, that's going to work you through essentially a qualification process. I'm going to understand what your average client value is. Um I'm going to even ask you can you afford $4,000 a month? If you say no, I have a, a a little uh upsell or not upsell, but essentially a I have essentially a variable there where I take your answer for how much your revenue is and I rephrase the question and I say okay, so what you're telling me is your average client value is $50,000. And you can't afford $4,000 a month or you wouldn't, there's no solution out there that you'd pay $4,000 a month to get more of those. And then I usually ask them to convert again, but yeah, I think it's a qualification thing a- on average. No, there's not a someone out there who has an 80% close rate on cold prospects. That would be insane. But I do think you can have an 80% close rate on qualified prospects.
0: That, that's a good differentiator. And, and um, I think a lot of people aren't spending a lot of time qualifying their prospects. I mean, and also that if they're cross, you know, but what do you do if something's like you just said, you had kind of a downsell or a rephrasing of the question, you took the time because there's sometimes mm-hmm. people are going to give you lies, right? And say, well, I can't yeah. afford this. I've heard of that. You know, I've worked with a lot of criminal defense attorneys and they're like, well, the people can't afford my rate. I'm like, you're telling me someone's about to go to jail for the rest of their life and they can't figure out how to make you know, the 20, find the 20, 30, $40,000 to prevent going to jail for the rest of their life. I'm like, that seems to me like a problem on your side.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's a big piece of what we do and why tribe has been successful is I think that using numbers, it's, it's pretty simple. We know on average for an agency, we're going to bring in between eight and 20 leads a month, depending on your niche, depending on who you're going after. We're going to bring between eight and 20 leads. Um, let's just call it 10 for round number sake. If you have a 20% close rate and your average client is worth $50,000, then I can bring you a hundred thousand dollars in revenue a month. Are you willing to pay me four grand a month to help get you a hundred thousand dollars in revenue? And that's how I really help back people down to say, it's not that you can't afford me. It's that you don't want to put the investment in. Uh, and a lot of that does come down to trust and authority and they've got to trust you before they believe that you can actually produce eight to 20 leads a month. But that's the process and that's part of the sales process and, and helping them understand. And you got to build that trust, right? I, I do believe in predictable outreach, uh, predictable prospecting, if you will. Um, but I'm a massive proponent of value added, uh, outreach. And what I mean by that is give and give and give, and then ask. I mean, we all know, a lot of us know Gary Vaynerchuk. He talks about the jab, 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 right hook approach where it's like, give a ton until you can finally ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do believe that, I believe that works. Um, hundred so, percent. Yeah. That, I don't know if that answered your question. Or
0: not. No, that does. It does. And, uh, you know, it, and if you provide enough value, like you talked about at the beginning of the show, someone followed you and followed you and followed you and they didn't follow, you weren't just throwing stuff out there. You're giving actual value and you're probably not, you're probably when you're on your LinkedIn and your content, you're not holding much back. Are you?
1: No, I'm not at all. I, I mean, the guide that I have laid out is not my exact process because we have $20,000 tools that I'm not going to ask you to put in your process yet um, that help us scale a lot of the stuff that we do. But um, I'm giving away pretty much tactic, you know, what I do from an email and LinkedIn standpoint on a, on a lower level. And I'm not afraid for some – I know that if 10 people come to my website and read that guide – I might get on a phone with one or two of those 10. And then maybe two or three might actually go and apply it themselves. Good on them. I hope they do. Um, I want it to be valuable. Because for me and my business, to get from zero to a million, I don't really need, I didn't need that many sales. And so I'm like, cool, if I can convert one of 10, I've got a great business. Yep. Awesome. And, and who cares if someone takes that and runs with it? Well, exactly
0: exactly and you know and you're speaking of gary b but i mean he's a proponent of it i'm a proponent you can tell i tell people that pay me for the information what to do and they still don't do it, <laughs> you know? it's, it and, <laughs> yeah it's wild i mean i i coach people on a weekly basis and <clears throat> do outside consulting tell them exactly what to do and they still don't do it so don't think i think a lot of people are afraid to give away the secret sauce and i've talked about this past few episodes you know uh tom uh Tom Ross, who was on, he you know built four hundred thousand users in there. He gave everything away. John Corcoran, everyone, they the guys that are really successful give everything away. So you know, you've mentioned LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is hot. Um, I didn't want to go straight into the LinkedIn stuff and and make it seem like hey, LinkedIn is the silver bullet that will eliminate yeah. all your other sales needs, but. I, I also hear from people, hey, I don't list, respond to LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people are doing LinkedIn the wrong way, but I really like the way that you're doing it. Um, and I think it's it's the right way to do it. Uh, sure. So let's talk a little bit about how you're using LinkedIn for agencies to get in front of them. Because I get agency intakes all the time. Hey, do you want me to do your website? Hey, do you want me to do this? Hey, do you want me to do that? Uh, but how are
1: you doing it different? Yeah, so – I liked what you said about the silver bullet. I think that people always want to know the silver bullet. I get DMs all the time. I'm like, hey, what's working now? My answer is the only silver bullet in sales is consistency. And so that's one thing I want to lay down as a foundation that any, you have to consistently invest in, again, this, we're going to wear this word out, but you have to invest in the process. Um, and if you invest in the process, naturally you're going to get better at it. So your conversions are going to go up. But at the end of the day, it still is a quantitative game. And um, so with LinkedIn, it's just like any other platform, a consistent investment in the platform, knowing one who is on LinkedIn. Most people are on LinkedIn. Um, It is saturated. It's becoming saturated. I probably have 25 connection requests a day put in my uh, inbox and probably 10 to 12 of those are automated messages. And so how do you cut through that clutter? I think it really does come down to again the foundation of the ideal customer profile, knowing who it is that you want to build your network around. So for me, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of building. I, I don't care to have forty thousand followers or you know whatever the limit is these days. Thirty thousand connections. I have five thousand five hundred something like that, but it's it's what I call a dense network. It is filled with the people that I want to build relationships with, and that I want to sell to, that I want to serve. Um, and then maybe a small percentage of those who I think can serve me. And so I think that, again, it comes down to knowing your customer and then building a network of those ideal people. And the reason for that is I think, again, value add, giving away content, putting out good videos, written word, uh, images, things that help people move the needle in their business and in their life. I speak to my audience when I create content, when I'm thinking of, okay, I want to put together a video today. I want to give away mad value. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to think of Mike, the mid-sized agency owner. That's who I'm going after today. He's probably got $3 in revenue. Uh, He's probably got 30 employees. And I'm going to speak to Mike and Mike's pain points because I know that my network is filled with a bunch of Mike's. And so I'm going to create that content with him in mind. And here's why I think having a dense network is important. It's not about the numbers. It's about knowing and gaming the algorithm for LinkedIn. Uh, If you think about LinkedIn, when you put a post out there, the way that they work is that they're going to, when you put a piece of content out into the the LinkedIn atmosphere, they are pulling a sample size from your network and putting that content in front of them. So if you think about your network, if you have 100 people in your network and uh, 20 are your ideal customer And then the rest are attorneys, doctors, lawyers, or uh, attorneys and lawyers the same thing. Attorneys, doctors, accountants, all these things. And you're creating content for that 20%. Well, you're getting your content put in front of a sample size that resembles your entire network, not just your ideal customer. And so it might be relevant to 20% of the sample size. And the way LinkedIn works is they're not going to attribute authority to your piece of content and distribute it to a broader network, your first level and second level and third level connections if they don't believe that your piece is going to keep people on linkedin you gotta remember you gotta think about the end goal for each of these platforms is they want to keep you on their platform it's how they do advertising it's how they make their money is by keeping you on linkedin facebook instagram longer and so if you're not creating quality content and you're forcing people to be like linkedin sucks i'm leaving well that hurts their dollars and they're not going to have that happen so all that long to say is Create a dense network because when you put content out there, you want to resonate with the majority of your network and for be attributed more value, more authority, and it's going to push it to more people. I can't put a post out today and get less than 3,000 views on it because I simply have a dense network. It's not because I create amazing content. Maybe I do. I don't know, but I don't believe I do. I just try to provide value for the people that I know are going to find value in it. So that's that is the broad way that I do LinkedIn. There is the, you know, the reaching out in the DMs and shooting messages and in-mails and that type of stuff. Um, and we can get into that as well, but that is, that is how I do LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. I I think that's an important thing because, you know, a lot of people are open networkers, um, and connect with everyone and they get a lot of likes, Mm -hmm. but are they, you know, and it depends, you know, like you said before, if you're a low price, high, broad solution, um, that maybe that's what you want. But for you, you know who your ideal customer is and your ideal customer is worth 50K. So it's like, it's yep. worth to say no to people that aren't your ideal clients. Um, yes. You also talk about, and one of the things, I th- a couple of things I really like about what you do, uh, but I think the number one thing is the people's approach to their LinkedIn profile. And that, yeah. and <clears throat> I think you have a great one. Um, and you have a, a tool on your our website about it, and we'll get into that. But tell me where people make the biggest mistake on their LinkedIn profile.
1: They use it as an advanced resume. That is the greatest mistake that anybody makes with LinkedIn. You got to think about in marketing, if you were to drive traffic to your website and you only talked about yourself, and people do this. So. Oh, they all do that.
0: They all do that. (laughs) That's that's my biggest obstacle is people don't realize that. I'm like, your homepage should not have nothing about you or barely little about you.
1: Absolutely not. And I think that – I think a lot of people talk about it's you know granddaddy's company and it's been in the business for 60 years now and we've won these awards and all the – no one cares. Absolutely nobody cares. And so at the end of the day, LinkedIn is no different. Your profile ought to operate like a sales landing page where you are trying to convert – your visitors into a relationship, into a referral, into a customer, whatever it might be, whatever your end goal is, you've got to speak directly to who you want to convert and, and you've got to give them a call to action. And so, the way that I do LinkedIn, um, especially with the profile, is I want it to operate just like a converting sales landing page. Because here's the beautiful thing you know, we we know advertising, I am, and so. If we're trying to drive people to our website, a landing page where we want someone to convert into a lead for a product or service that we offer, we are going to spend X amount of dollars per visitor that we drive to our website through advertising. And so let's just say a cost per click is cheap $3. And you want to, and you know that you're going to have a conversion rate of 2%, and you need 10 leads to convert uh, in order for you to hit your numbers. Well, if you do the math, that's a lot of leads you need to drive, which multiply that by $3 a piece. That's thousands of dollars that you're having to drive people to your website, uh, to hopefully convert them. The beautiful thing about LinkedIn is LinkedIn gives you that ability for free. Treat your, your profile like a sales landing page. And the, the way that I do LinkedIn, uh, the way that I teach people to do LinkedIn, the way that I do it for clients is I want to drive people to your profile. Cause that's free traffic to free sales copy with a free call to action that they can take action on and hopefully convert into a lead referral customer, whatever it might be. And so that's how I, I believe that you should structure your, uh, your profile. And I have a particular framework that I like to use. Um, but some of the biggest mistakes people use are one, they don't use the the really valuable real estate on the top, which is your header image with your header image. Uh, a lot of people have either a stock photo that LinkedIn gives you, uh, a stock photo they picked up off of you know whatever stock photo website they use. Maybe they just have their logo up there. Whatever it is, that is really valuable. The first thing that my mind or my eyes are drawn to is that header image. Mm-hmm. Put put conversion copy in that image. Doesn't have to be you know sexy by any means, but tell them exactly who you serve what the end result is with working with you and how you get them there. Um, if you look at mine, it just says, I do done for you prospecting for marketing agencies. Well, if, if a marketing agency lands on my profile and sees that because it's big and blue, they're going to know they're in the right place if they have a sales problem. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the headline. Um, the headline is the text that you see. It's usually about two lines long, right below your, your beautiful prom picture you have as your image, <laughs> which don't get me started on that. Please. <laughs> People still have like their, their uh, company Christmas party picture where they have like a cocktail in their hand. I'm like, come on, man, like just do, <laughs> just put a little, little effort up there, little effort, unless that's, unless that's your brand. Yeah. Um, and so that headline is the same thing. Who do you help? How do you help them? You know, what is the end result of working with you? And then you can, if you want to tag it on the end and say you're the founder of whatever company, It's that's mostly vanity. The person puts entrepreneur, uh, founder of whatever in their headline. Maybe they don't want to use LinkedIn as a as a place to generate leads. I do. So I'm not going to talk about myself until if I have room at the end after I put the conversion copy up there. So that's another big thing. The last thing is the summary. I think the summary, again, it talks about a lot of people talk about their passions, what they've done, what articles they've been in, what accomplishments they've made. Nobody cares. It's a cliche statement. Nobody cares about what you know until so they know that you care. Yeah. And so I think that having copy that speaks directly to your ideal customer, working them through, I have a, a particular framework that, you know, I talk about my essentially my statement is I help marketing agencies experience the freedom of a consistently full pipeline through done for you prospecting. I know, if they are a marketing agency, you know exactly what I do. And then I get into their pain points and then I give them an empathy statement that I understand what they're going through and here's why, authority. And then I talk about myself for one paragraph. Here's why I started Tribe Prospecting. If this sounds like you, boom, 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 call to action, jump on a phone call. It's pretty simple. I just think that we misuse the platform and because we misuse it, we instantly think, LinkedIn is not a good platform to sell on.
0: Yep. And I hear that all the time and I, I, I love that formula. And it's the same formula for a website, you know, and what's interesting, you know, how much this, how similar this is, and I mean, it's pretty obvious when you think about it. But when we start doing websites and, you know, we're looking at like optimizing websites with video and we started going through it and the second most used page on a website is your about us page. But just like their LinkedIn profile, people throw their CV, they throw up their you know resume on there. No one ever reads that. No one cares where you went to school unless they went to that school. No one cares right. you know about your awards because they don't know what those awards mean. Um, but it, and I always tell people the about us is still about them, and I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with their LinkedIn profile, like you just said: empathy, understanding their pain points, and you know, not talking about yourself till later on. Uh, I think that's an amazing, amazing formula. And then as far as your outreach goes, how are you different? (laughs) Because I think that this is where most people fail too. And say LinkedIn doesn't work.
1: Yeah. I think that people use automation tools, um, and they don't know how to use them appropriately, which just looks like spam. And so I think that's one way or they're not using automation tools and they're still spamming people. (laughs) And so the, the way, the way that I do it, is I, I my whole goal is to drive people in my profile. And so the way that I do that is I provide a crap ton of value in my outreach. So when I connect with somebody, it's a personalized message. I never do a generic LinkedIn connection. Um, I try to... Because you can still personalize connections with automation. Um, be careful with that, obviously. Know how to use it. Uh, a lot of people think they're personalizing by saying, hey, first name, comma, whatever. <laughs> I actually ran a test on this. I and you'd probably appreciate this. I I changed my first name to having, like my middle initial in it. So instead of it being Joey Gilkey, Joey first name Gilkey last. I did Joey W Gilkey, and so Joey W was my first name. And so I wanted to see how many messages came in my inbox that were automated. And so again, probably 12 of 25 were, Hey, Joey W comma. It's like, (laughs) you know, I don't go by my right. (laughs) And so, um, that is where automation can kind of screw up your sales process. And maybe if someone was going to convert, you might've turned them off. And so I do believe in having manual outreach still. Um, that's not sexy. You know, people are always looking for the, the corners to cut. Um, but when I do outreach, again, I'm not selling them. Definitely don't sell them on the connection request. Um, <laughs> I laugh
0: at it because it's it, it seems so obvious, but so many people do it.
1: <laughs> they really do, man. I think that they they jump in talk about, hey, I ran across your profile, and you're in the marketing advertising space, and we have a solution for this. I'm not going to connect with you, and I'm not going to be a dick and like hit the uh, – you know, do not connect and then go a step further and say, I don't know this person, but there are people who will do that. And the reason you want to avoid that is if you get five of those, you get put into LinkedIn prison, which is really where you can't connect with people unless you have their LinkedIn email, um, as well. So if I wanted to connect with you and I was in LinkedIn prison, I'd have to know your email address to send that connection request, which most of us don't. And so don't sell. Uh, that's the easiest way to, to get people to reject your requests. Um, on top of that, when I do a follow-up, you're not going to see a follow-up from me an hour later. You know, like I think that a lot of people have that automated message where it's like, cool, now you with me. Here's my six-paragraph pitch on my <laughs> webinar. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so I'm like, I, I instantly disconnected those people. Um, but I do believe uh, a couple of days later, my, my goal is to circle back around. I use Sales Navigator, so I have a, a pretty, pretty decent tagging system. Uh, a lot of people don't know that in sales navigator, you can tag prospects. Um, most people know you can save leads, but they don't know that you can tag them specifically. So like if you have ideal customer profiles and you have a number of them tagging them based on those profiles, uh, tagging someone that says require follow-up. And then I can essentially do an advanced search for people who have a tag that says requires follow-up. And I know that I need to follow up with those 150 people or whatever. So when I do my, my follow-up outreach, it's always, Hey, John, Um, Work with a bunch of other agency owners. Uh, Here's a guide. I think they found it super helpful. I do cuss in it. So if you don't like that, sorry. Uh, I try to be, you know, humor is not dead. I think that people miss that just because someone's the owner of a company or they've elevated their career to a certain point does not mean that they have lost their humor. Mm -hmm. I, I think if anything, they appreciate it because people have that buttoned up stiff approach to them these days because of their stature. So I throw a lot of humor in there. Um, I, I'm not afraid to throw a GIF in there or a meme of a cat or whatever to get Cats, their attention. Yes. Cats. Cats. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Swank appreciates that. Uh, and then you know throw a guide out there. And then I'm not. My goal is not to call them to an action of get on a phone call with me. My goal is to provide value, have them check out my profile, and have my profile convert them for me. That's a far more intent-based. Uh, conversion then jump on a phone with me i'll still ask about three or four messages later over the course of a month or two um but my first couple messages are always value add try to drive them to my profile try to drive them to my website um be funny be likable
0: um you know it's pretty much what you do in real life right you know, you know, yeah. which, I mean, and that's why people hate networking events because net, people treat networking events. They treat LinkedIn like they treat networking events. Hey, what do you do? Okay. Here's my card. Do you need business? You know, yeah. you want to do business? And that's not how business happens. That's not how relationships happen. Nice. Um, and you know, I've, I've been lucky because I've developed a lot of great relationships through LinkedIn. You know, just having conversations with people. It's amazing when you help people and have a conversation with you, with them. I mean, I've landed some big deals. Now, everything isn't going to always do, you know, you can't expect that. You can't expect every conversation to be a million-dollar conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's talk about million-dollar conversations. So what kind of success have you seen
1: out of this? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously for us specifically, we grew, uh, like I said, from zero to a million in 10 months, um, through simply through email and LinkedIn. And then obviously jumping on the phone and being able to have a normal conversation and touch on some pain points and then convert them. But, uh, the pipeline got filled through those two avenues really. Um, so that's where I've seen a lot of success. I think that a lot of people want the silver bullet and they think the silver bullet is using an automation tool and just simply blasting a thousand people and getting a 0.3% conversion rate. That works for some people. Um, I think it makes people hate you as well. And so that's one area. Um, I think that for a lot of our clients, they aren't sure of the value of LinkedIn. They're like, ah, my clients aren't on LinkedIn or my (laughs) ideal customers. And, and it's just not true. You just you just don't know how to get in front of them. You don't know how to find them. Where's their watering hole? One awesome thing that we do, and this is a little hack for people um, using LinkedIn, if you use Sales Navigator, and I highly suggest using it, um, it's 85 bucks a month. Um, for a lot of us, that's like a percentage of a percentage of our client value. And so it's a worthwhile investment. You make one sale, you pay for it for a lifetime. Um, I think that it, it provides a ton of value Um, because there is, if you, you can do advanced searches to search for obviously the demographic criteria of your ideal customers, where they're located, company headcount, title position, but then also keywords. You can look for keywords that are in their profile, uh, in their headline, those types of things. But when you do that advanced search and say it comes up with a thousand people, go a couple tabs over and you'll see who has posted content in the last 90 days. And here's what I do. I click on that tab. Maybe it's 250 of those 1,000 people. And I look at the content that they produced. I see if there's anything I like. Uh, and I do the unscalable thing and say, hey, John, checked out your profile. Ran across your article. Really like this line that you had about conversion rate optimization. Um, would love to jump on a chat and talk a little bit about kind of how you're implementing that for clients um, and what your ideal customer looks like. That's really easy for me. I can do that. It doesn't scale, but I do 10 of those, I'm probably going to get a lot better conversion than if I do 100 automated messages. Excuse me, I'm finding a cold, so I'm sniffling over here. That's all right. Um, So that's one hack that I, I love is look at people who are producing content. Why do people produce content? Because they want people to see it. They want people to read it. They want people to derive value from it. And so why can't you be the person that sees it and reads it and derives value from it and use that as leverage in your conversation with them. Yeah. It's a really easy way.
0: And you know, it, this is the third or fourth podcast in a row. We've talked about being unscalable and you know, it, it's, it, and I think the first time I heard it actually was Gary Vaynerchuk. When he was on the podcast, when we talked about it. He's like, you know, what's scalable is unscalable is the most valuable thing you have. And, yes. and I, we talk about the scale word so, so much, but it really – all the value comes in unscalable and then finding a way maybe to scale it. But most, most of us don't need to, quote, unquote, scale, right? No.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love scalability, but i I do not think that scalability is a synonym with automation. And I think that's where a lot of us make a big mistake is we think that scalability means that we can just do more of it. And I think that what are, I think that you can create a ton of scalability around unscalable activities. I think that scalability is not always about automation sometimes it's about I have a process that if I bring more people in to do that process, that's scalability for you. If I know that if you know we do this many things in this process on these channels and I bring you know John Smith, my new sales guy into that, well John can now do that. And now I'm compounding my efforts with John's, and then we bring in Sally, the next salesperson, and she does it. And now we're compounding Sally, John, and my efforts. That's how you create scale, and you can do unscalable things within that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's, and that's a great formula. That's a great, great formula. Not looking at complete automation because that's where yes. people get. I changed.
1: love automation. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I am a. Master Zapier user. I have the most expensive plan possible. I love <laughs> automation. But I like to I like to automate the things that are non-revenue generating activities the most.
0: That's... And I like
1: to spend more time on the revenue generating activities and doing the unscalable things there that aren't automated. And so that's your that's that's where I use automation mostly. What's the first thing if you would automate if you had to start all over? I would automate That's a great question. I would automate the – okay, so here's what I do. I use Trello. um, Love Trello. Not as a star. Um, I'll I'll give you two here. So Trello, I have – a. I use what's called Butler on Trello. Butler is – it's now part of Trello's native tool. Uh, it's like 10 bucks a month. And it's a, it's a bot that sits on top of your board and does things for you. So like for me, I can set simple things and create cards. Um, if you're not familiar with Trello, Trello is really just a board. It's a visual way of, of task management, project management. Um, and so I use it, I call it Joey's operating system. I have a lot of automations that are going on in there. Like, um, if I have rent due on, the first of every month, I have my butler bot automatically create a card for me three days in advance on the, the closest business day that I need to do rent. That's a very small little thing, but I don't, it just make sure that I don't have to think and, and utilize resources in my brain to think about when's rent due. Um, those are very little things. Uh, other ones are, you know, I have integrations with my CRM. Then when a new lead comes in, it goes into a certain category on my operating system that requires follow-up. I also use Pipedrive, CRM. Um, That's what we have invested in the most. Uh, That's what all my clients, I require them to use. Anybody that I'm training, I require them to use that because they have built-in automations for their pipeline. If a prospect gets to this stage in the process, automatically create this task. When this task is complete, automatically create this follow-up task, assign this due date for this many days out in advance. That's what I would do. I think that's where you can kind of create a little bit more of a process is, is by using automation on the non-revenue generating things. CRM management, task management are, non, are non-revenue generating. Revenue generating are me reaching out to IN and trying to get a meeting with them. And so I would start with automating and auditing all the things in your life that are non-revenue generating. How can I optimize those things? How can I delete some things that maybe are unnecessary? And how can I delegate things? And once I've done the non-revenue generating, then I can look at the revenue generating things and say, okay, how do I, how do I automate some of these things without losing that highly personable touch?
0: Nice that's awesome that's that's great advice, so Joey you know we're we're running out of time here, so if someone gets in touch with you uh drive tryprospecting dot com and you said there's a uh they can check out and hack your bot at contact.tryprospecting.com.
1: dot yeah. <laughs> go for it yeah, I got a bot there if you want to jump on a call uh it's going to ask you qualifying questions so if, you know you could check that out, but uh yeah. ideally don't blow me up if you, if you don't really want to chat but uh, <laughs> Yeah, go to the guide on the website. The guide is written for marketing agencies, but if you have a high-ticket service or product, it, it applies um, to you. I just want to make it from an SEO perspective. I want it to, to talk to marketing agencies specifically. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: And then if, if, they, and if, they want to, if they go there, they can talk to you about the sales pipeline accelerator too, right, about training yeah, a salesperson cool. for them?
1: The easiest way to kind of figure out everything that I do is connect them on LinkedIn drop me a personal note. Let me know that you heard me on, you know, garlic marketing show. And then, uh, I'd be happy to, to chat with you there. Um, that's kind of probably the easiest way to kind of figure out all that I do. I do, I do a bunch of stuff, man. I, I have to create processes in order for me to not spread myself too thin. I do commercial real estate investing and sales stuff. And so awesome. Yeah. If you have any interest in any of those things, hit me up. Fantastic. Joey,
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, even though you're not feeling great.
1: Brother, I appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate
0: you. Awesome. And thanks for you all taking Joey and I on your journey. This has been I and Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow I and Garlic on Facebook.